scars of Nimrod, tracking devices inside your SIM card. The all-seeing iPhone they use to spy on, the masses of the people consumed inside of this cyclone. If my poems can challenge what you rely on, then find another bed to go and lie on. They screaming out. This is the Third Person View podcast by Roman Underwall and Tucker Varshan, chronicling the state of affairs. Hey guys, so we're back again for our third episode of the season, and we're going to pick off where we left off last episode. We were, we left off somewhere across uh, along the lines of space mining, right? Space mining, really interesting new thing, right? So, Proker, there's something, there's a phrase, a Latin phrase that I want to bring up before we um, dive into this, yeah. Um, it's astra inclinant sed non obligant. That means the stars incline us; they do not bind us. Mm. Yo, that's like. Oh wait, wait, wait. So hold on. So hold on. What was that like originally meant to mean? Like whoever, whoever, okay. whatever philosopher Len who who said that. Like, what okay. do they mean by that? I don't know the. I don't know the. This is just like off the top of my head. I don't really remember who said it. But um, mm. I know that um, stars have always been um, symbolic of fate, right? And mm. so, like, my guess of what this phrase means is that, like, fate may nudge us in the right direction, but we still have the free will whether to follow our fate or blaze our own path. Oh, like we're not we're not binded. We're not, we're binded, not binded exactly. We're not, we are. Yeah. They, we, they, uh, fate inclines us. It doesn't bind us. Hmm. Like a fate we free will type of thing, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's pretty interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, you know, you we were talking about asteroid mining and like all this shit, like regarding space last time, and it's kind of interesting, you know. Um, we don't think about it much, but it's like where are we meant to go as humans, right? Like, okay, yeah. we were uh, put on this earth. We came basically like, you know, I don't know where came out of evolution, right? What's next for us? You know, everyone always talking about like, oh, you know, global warming is going to end the planet in 50 years or we're going to run out of material resources in 60 years and, or there's some yeah. very serious, like, uh, you know, very serious social socioeconomic issues that are like collapse society as we know it in like yeah. the next 20 years. And it's like, you know, that's really interesting that you bring that up because it's like, are we bound to this earth or are we, are we for more? You know, like they were, the they were stars, about the, the stars. stars. Right? Are we meant for right? the stars? <laughs> exactly. And we were talking about this, like, um, this, this like crazy concept. I, I don't think many people know it, but like we were talking like last time about how we were talking about it from a money perspective, but like, we'll just delve into it more like how space mining or just going into space, the exploration of space as humans is going to be almost our future. You know, like just explain real quick, you know, like I'm sure a lot of people I've, don't know like about space mining or, you know. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's smart. So like before we like delve into this, maybe, yeah, like Proker said, right. So um, space mining. Okay. Um, it's, it's a pretty like, I'm pretty sure all of you guys get it. It's a pretty like straightforward term, but basically what it entails is that we humans, we blast off into space. We uh, land on some asteroids, moons, tiny moons, protoplanets, all of these tiny things that float around in space and we mine. And the reason for this is that it's 
these planets, these protoplanets, these asteroids, all of these things have so many resources that we on Earth find it so difficult to extract. Um, so, um, okay, let's 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 backtrack really quick to the Big Bang, right? So, um, um, so we all know that uh, the Big Bang, when the Big Bang occurred, there was like a Big Bang, right? And then what happened is that uh, part uh, matter exploded out at a very fast rate. And what happened is some matter bound together and formed planets, right? And, and um, matter, when, it, when, uh, when that matter was enough, when it was enough matter that bound together, it created a planet such as our Earth, Mars, uh, Jupiter, all of these places, right? And, but the thing is, it created very tiny protoplanets, as I had mentioned before. These are um, pieces of matter that just weren't big enough to become planets, right? So, um, so those are the those are the two things that I'll focus on from now on, right? So when a, uh, so what happens when a planet is formed is that all the heavy metals, all the heavy metals, rare earth metals as we know them now, right? They're heavy. So they sink to the middle of the planet, to the Earth's core, for example, and um, that's uh, and um, that's why they're rare earth metals. Like it's really tough to get them because we have to drill so deep down to obtain them, right? But the thing with protoplanets, asteroids, is that since they weren't big enough, they didn't follow the same cooling process as the Earth did. What happened is the these these protoplanets they just cooled. But the heavy metals and all these materials, they didn't sink to the middle. They're on the surface, making them way more accessible. So if you think about it, oh. mining on protoplanets would be far more efficient and um, better for us because we'll have to put in less work. We'll get higher returns. It'll be, um, we'll just have to move less material and we'll get a higher return, right? But see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like this is this is like like cool. It sounds great, right? All these resources on these protoplanets, on these asteroids, whatever we could get them, and we could you know solve our resource crisis at Earth. Maybe even you know go as far like you know the mining industry on Earth, very unethical, very damaging to the planet, environmentally, socially as well. You know, and we could solve these problems by getting our resources from outside, conserving our own Earth, right? But it's like. How do you even get there? You know, humans have only like, you know, really ventured into space uh, in the last like 60, 70 years. And since then, like our advancements haven't been super duper significant. We went to the moon, right? Uh, the US went to the moon, even, you know, as recently as 2019, India had a mission, Israel had a mission to the moon. They had landing failures, you know? It's like, there's these concepts, right? Of like, you know, let's go out to these uh, protoplanets and let's go out to these like little moons or something and let's mine them for their natural resources. So that we can like get all of these um, problems, all of these issues at home solved. But it's like, you know, how do you even start? Right? Like an asteroid, like you know, just speaking from a layman's perspective. Like I, I know a little bit about this. But like speaking from a layman's perspective, you would think like, dude, asteroids are moving through space like kilometers a second. How do you how do you stop anything? How does the orbit mechanics work? How do you attach to an asteroid and start even mining it or even thinking about mining it? Right? It's all it's all very crazy, right? It all seems super out of this world. But the thing, yeah, Proctor, building on that, right? That's what the layman thinks, all right? But you know the craziest thing? When we go out to space, 
when we start mining these asteroids, gold is not going to be the most valuable thing we get. Platinum is not going to be the most valuable thing. None of those rare earth metals that are in extremely high demand in earth are going to be the most valuable thing we get from these asteroids. You know what's going to be the most valuable thing? Water. Water is going to be the most valuable currency. It's going to be the most valuable thing in space because it, it's, it can be used for anything, if you think about it, it can be used as fuel because when you electrolyze water, you get oxygen and hydrogen. Hydrogen is a fuel, and oxygen is the thing. Oxygen is the gas that is that humans can't live without. When uh, when you don't electrolyze it, when it's just water, that's that's extremely important for. Um, okay, but wait, 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 dude! I get what you're saying, right? Like water, water is extremely useful, like in a lot of scientific applications, a lot of space travel uh, applications but it's like how do you even start what is the process you know like like real quick like okay. if you could give like a step-by-step like tutorial like you know i'm on earth right now i want to uh go and mine this asteroid okay what do i have to do to even get there because a lot of people they don't know about this stuff okay 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 i get you i get you all right so um uh, uh should i explain okay so um logically the first step in um space mining right not asteroid mining but space mining would be mm. to go would be to start small right and in the human in the sense in the context of humans right that would be starting on the moon because we've already been there we've already landed there we've been there it's like one of the uh, few uh, it's, it's the only place we've been other than um, our earth our own earth right so the most logical thing would be um, to uh, first we would launch um, a spaceship like we normally do right we it go it land on the moon right and this is, uh, and then what would happen next is that whatever mining contraption that we would, uh, for water, mining contraption for water that they have developed, right? This mining contraption would, um, I'll, I'll explain the mining contraption in a bit, right? But first mm-hmm. they take the mining contraption and put it on the uh, face of the moon. And then what would happen is this, this, uh, this um, miner, right? Would drill into the um, moon, but not like drill, drill. When I say that, it wouldn't be like as deep as we would on Earth. We would just drill a couple of meters down at most, right? And this is in order to get all the flakes of ice on the surface of the moon below the surface of the moon. Because everywhere on in the in space there there's 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 specks of ice, right? So this drill bit would be a special drill bit because it would go it would go deep enough and would heat up just to the right temperature as to melt the ice. And this drill bit would also have grooves so that that drill bit could snatch the ice almost from the from from the hole that it's drilling in right and then that water that ice right would travel up it would travel up into the mechanism into the into the machine above ground right and then from there on what would happen is that this would be melted down it would be electrolyzed it would be transported whatever you need to do with the water so this would be the Mm. first step Right. I mean, like, and if you uh, and um, if you're talking about mining asteroids, the things that are floating around, the uh, huge asteroids that are floating around in our solar system, 
it would be a little bit different right um if you're talking about like those huge asteroids that are um valued at 400 quadrillion dollars that spans that span like square kilometers right mm-hmm. it would be extremely difficult right because these 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 asteroids would be so big and would be going so fast that to land okay uh, wait wait so wait you just mentioned um my bad for interrupting yeah, you yeah, just no mentioned uh something about landing on the moon and then extracting this water right yeah. so you said that was the first logical step to yeah. all of this to unlocking say the resources of space so so you know um after we get uh you mentioned electrolysis right um uh-huh. and that's actually super interesting you know this is like basic chemistry a lot of people know this you can split water by electrolysis into hydrogen and oxygen right two parts it's hydrogen one part oxygen constituent elements yeah it's constituent elements right what a lot of people uh forget about or well don't really pay attention to is that rockets use hydrogen fuel yeah and this constituent that you mine out of the moon can be used directly on the moon to how do you say synthesize hydrogen fuel for rockets now here's the thing right humans the reason why uh it's you know we haven't set up super big colonies on the moon yet already or send anything into the moon okay is because it is ridiculously expensive to move cargo into the moon now obviously it's been getting significantly cheaper you know there's like private industry like spacex right yeah. which has been um making the cost uh, per ton or the cost a quick, per kilo a quick statistic of- for all of you it used to cost mm-hmm. $60,000 to move to uh, transport 1 pound of of uh, cargo from the earth to the uh, uh, to the moon okay around i think uh, 15 years ago but today it only costs $10,000. Mm. See that's that's crazy, right? It 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 makes it makes it much easier to, you know, like governments like, you know, and like people they all still operate on the same thing everyone needs money, right? So it's like uh, it makes it a lot easier to, you know, justify that and, you know, to go out into space. So so here's what I'm thinking, right? Here's what a lot of people are thinking, you know, doing a little bit of research into this, right? It's that you set up this kind of lunar base right where you have this fuel and the thing is right the cost or like the weight which a rocket carries in fuel is pretty substantial you could instead what you could do with these rockets right is you could get this hydrogen fuel you have from the moon and move it into midpoints right into geostationary uh, orbits around the earth okay you could launch a rocket into space with a lot of cargo and a lot less fuel than usual and you could refuel moving the same way you know like you see in a movie or whatever you refuel like a fighter jet you know exactly. that's moving in the in the sky right you can refuel it at these midpoints and you're carrying way more cargo for the same cost while refueling at these midpoints that because you don't you know you you no longer uh need all this fuel capacity to go directly to the moon or directly anywhere right and you start to uh economy like to to make it cheaper to make it much more efficient space travel carrying cargo per ton and you go to the moon right you start setting up this colony right where do you where do you go from there where do you see this you know like how do we get from oh we can travel to the moon for cheaper and like we can transport stuff to the moon for cheaper just straight up like uh space imperialism or something or like you <laughs> yeah. know uh like just mining out massive rocks right let's right. like think you know like all right so um yeah so so like um 
I'm pretty, uh, I think that like for you, uh, all of you guys, you would think the next logical step is to go to like the biggest, baddest asteroid you can find and land a spaceship on that, like we did on the moon and start drilling as well. Because I mean, like bigger the asteroid, more the stuff, right? Am I right? But the thing is, <laughs> it is so much more complicated than that because we have stuck, it is so, because it is, it is ridiculously more it is ridiculously more complicated to land something on a moving asteroid than something like our own moon because we have because keep in mind we have been studying our moon for god knows how many years we have uh when i say god knows how many years I'm, it's been like 2003 people have been looking at the moon for so long we have been studying that for so long so we know exactly how it moves where it moves how it rotates we know all the dynamics of that which make it infinitesimally easier to land something on it than not mm-hmm. knowing but if we talk about some asteroid that we discovered just 20 years ago right and we're talking about landing something on that we don't know where it will go how fast it's going at what spin rate it's going how far away from the earth will it be does it follow a path? If it doesn't follow a path, how will we intersect it? If it does follow a path, when can we intersect it? Where can we intersect it? And after intersecting it, how will we uh, maintain our communication if it uh, shifts path? If it doesn't shift path, how will we transport it back from that moving asteroid where we had so much difficulty landing it in the first place? How will we launch off from that with a lot more cargo back towards Earth without that same craft being like blown up like mm. it's just it's just insanely complicated so okay the next so what do you suggest step, yeah so like the next logical step at least in my mind would be to create these little automated devices like these automated drones of sort that go into space and harvest these tiny asteroids tiny asteroids meaning two meters by two meters tiny asteroids the width that have that that have like a width of two meters right so these astro, these drones of sort, I'm just going to call them drones from now on, right? So these drones would, um, I've, I've, I've encountered two such of these, uh, two like types of these drones till now, right? The first one following the same principles as of the moon, where they land on the, these tiny, much tinier drones land on the surface, drill a little bit get the water, blast off, and go to the next asteroid and, and just repeat that process until they're out of juice, right? But the second one, it's a new innovative, it's a pretty new, it's a very innovative um, technique that um, I'm very, that's very interesting. So um, uh, what this, uh, this, this, this concept is that there is going to be a craft with um, a sort of net, right? A plastic net where that uh, drone will go towards a tiny asteroid and grab that asteroid in the net, right? And then stabilize the asteroid, right? Once it stabilizes the asteroid, right? It's going to use different light frequencies to break up the asteroid. And after it does that, right? As I mentioned about how, um, like, like, it's just like a physics thing, like uh, denser materials, uh, go to one side and lighter materials go to the other side, right? Um, the, the, the same drone will use sound waves to stimulate that or not sound waves, just another light waves again because sound waves can't move in space, right? It's just going to use light waves to um, 
almost like separate all of these um, materials and then it's just going to grab all the crystallized ice or whatever it is that they want from that material, right? They'll grab that and then they'll store it and then move on to the next, leaving the rest of the asteroid that they don't need out there, mm. right? And then after after they after that drone does that multiple times until it's out of juice, it returns back to headquarters and then deposits all that where it's processed. Oh, okay. And you know what I'm thinking? This is so. So I was talking earlier, right? We were talking earlier about how. Um, taking having these little like fueling spots in the middle between say the earth and the moon would make it a lot cheaper right to uh take stuff across yeah. the moon back to the earth right now what if we have not just fueling spots in between like you know these asteroids and this and, and earth or whatever what if we start at the moon right because i've heard about this right yeah a very big problem with uh a very uh, the reason that a lot of fuel is used on spacecrafts is because they have to escape the gravitational pull of the Earth, exactly. which is ridiculously strong, right? Yeah. Now, see, uh, the way gravity works, right? It's like you go down, like in terms of radius, comparatively, gravity reduces significantly. You know the formula we learned in physics? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like M1, M2 over uh, R squared. R squared, yeah. right? It squares down, you know, like, so it goes down like exponentially, you know? So the moon, it's a much smaller massive body. And it's like, if you can create a lunar base there, and you can start doing your mining operations from there. If you can launch an asteroid from there or to there, right? You start making things really, really cheap and really, really economic. And you were talking about like, you know, small asteroids, right? We'd get these little, uh, almost, you know, plastic bag-like structures, right? With these drones and would capture um, all of these resources. What if, right? Instead of bringing it all the way back to the Earth, right, which would be a lot of travel, which would be a lot of um, fuel, then you'd have to like escape back to uh, the asteroid, right? Bring it back to the moon, yeah, and set up a base there. Yeah, that reminds me of something else as well. Um, so um, this reminds me of the economic uh, point of this um, whole endeavor as well, right? So um, as mentioned before, there are asteroids that are worth upward of 400 million uh, 400 quadrillion dollars right um in terms of the value of um materials on it right for example gold rare earth metals things that are in very low supply on the planet earth right but are very prevalent on those asteroids right so um it uh, so as Parker was saying as you were saying right instead of uh, if um, if uh, we can just bring those materials back to the uh, moon but the thing is if you bring those materials back to the to earth it's just going to crash the world's economy because there's going to be such a surplus of the things that were that were so uh, uh, it's going to cause a surplus of uh, things that were so coveted and so expensive right and like uh, another thing is like how gold is used as a money haven right Mm. It's you invest the money in it and you know it's safe because gold is there isn't there in, gold isn't increasing in quantity anytime soon. Oh, right? this is genius, man. Yeah. So like if you bring a lot of gold back into the earth, the value of gold will just plummet. The value of platinum will plummet. The value of iridium will plummet. Ah. All these things will plummet and it'll just cause the world's economy to crash, which is not good for the world. Right. So right. that is why there's there's the concept of something called a space economy, an economy that is completely independent that of to the Earth's. Oh, 
Yo, listen, that's actually really clever. Okay, let me just let me just link this back to like an example on Earth we have already of this, right? So during the 40s, right? Um, when we just started mining diamonds and we just started coveting them as rarities, you know, there was a lot of uh, mm-hmm. it, it, like they have a lot of practical uses, sure, but the reason they were yeah, so yeah, expensive yeah. was because of their rarity and because of how much like society coveted them, like you know, yeah, like, yeah. wedding, whatever, like just mm-hmm. flashed out, like iced out, right? Um, so um, what happened was in the 40s, 50s, 60s, right? Soon enough, they discovered that in African countries, I don't remember which specifically, I think South Africa was one of them, there's a lot more diamonds than people had previously anticipated. And here's the thing, right? If they mined all these diamonds and put them into the market immediately, the price of diamonds would completely bottom out, right? So it's like they they started artificially restricting the supply of diamonds so as to keep the price up. So here's what I'm thinking, right? So so there's this idea, right? That like, that like, look, on Earth, our resources are limited, right? I was saying before that we're gonna, you know, we use all these rare Earth elements that you're talking about, right? Yeah. Uh, neodymium, uh, platinum earth metals, right? Yes, we use them in stuff like our phones and our technologies. You know, we use them for everything, iron, everything, all industry, everything. It's all made of this stuff, right? We're going to run out of it in 50, 60 years. So, you know, the resources on earth clearly limited, right? We have to like either like somehow go all the way down to the core or like we have to suck our crust dry, which it will be soon enough, right? Yeah. But if we go into space, right? And if we take these like small model um, tests, of uh, what do you call it? Um, asteroid mining, right? Like capturing it with a bag. And then we can like somehow, you know, obviously we'd learn more and more about these. And obviously like as we expand lunar base, as we make it more economic, we get larger and larger asteroids worth those quadrillions, quintillions of dollars that you've mentioned, right? Yeah. We, we you know, at, by the time we're there, right? You know, let's say we get there, you know, like however many years, right? Yeah. We get there like big asteroids with like infinite resources, right? Yeah we leave them in space because we're already a space colonizing race, right? And here's the thing, we can sustain life on earth, life, human life, right? With all these resources, because technically space is infinite, right? Like, okay, compared, okay. Compared, to, compared to earth, right? Space, even, even the space solar system around us, right? It has infinitely many more resources. You know, I, I was reading up, right? There's asteroids with more platinum on them like if you even partially extract the amount of platinum on them they have more platinum that is than has ever than has ever been mined out of the earth right because it's ridiculously hard to find platinum but see we find these asteroids we you know large scale you know operations again we'll go into that like you know very like specifics like the details of how we mine them even in the first place right but it's like we we get these resources and we sustain humanity, not just on Earth through a terrestrial economy. That's we so could do cool. it in space as well. That's so and, cool. you know, this is, this, is, this is another thing, right? This is, you know, is going to sound a little crazy you <laughs> okay. know, to like a lot of people. Okay. So what if the economy crashes because we have an oversupply of resources we need and that would help our technological advancement as humans significantly? Look, 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 I get, you know, it's a capitalist world, right? Everyone wants to make money. Everyone needs money, right? It's like, think about it, you know? Why do we need to restrict all of these real resources with real actual industrial value to us, real applications like putting it into our computers, putting it into our batteries, right? Why restrict that? Why hold humanity back in the first place? Bring it all back to earth, man. I, Go ahead, I have a, crash I have a, the price. I have a Everyone rebut- will be able to- I have a rebuttal to- for this. 
I have a rebuttal oh, okay. that I think falls right between our views. Okay. Hmm. So you're talking about artificial. You're talk. You start. You start. You started talking about artificially controlling the supply of specific materials, right? Yes. But you assumed that the economy there would be one economy spanning across the entire human race, right? but if we establish two completely independent e- economies one on earth and one on space one in space right mm. and and the space economy sells these materials to earth and the earth sells things to the space economy the supply would already be controlled as well as the demand as per the laws of mm. economics right so it can uh, so if we do that if that happens there is a scope of retaining whatever capitalistic interests earth has or each country has like each each country or whoever buys from them will be able to have their own ideals instead of enforcing something that is extremely widespread does that make okay, sense okay but does hold that- on man hold on okay this is this is the scary part of all this okay, okay. and again okay. you can link it back to stuff that has happened on earth before right Okay. The thing is there's obviously nations on this earth there's obviously private corporations that mm-hmm. are much farther along in doing stuff in space not just regarding exploration but regarding asteroid mining as it is uh you know compared to other nations like you know uh the US or a lot of european countries they have the uh economic privilege let's say to you know explore space because their problems at home are almost sorted right there sure you know there's issues and all right yeah. but compared but, to yeah, say uh countries with much lower wealth you know countries like in Middle south east america say like, zimbabwe just yes, like countries exactly. that aren't as what's it called established yeah countries which haven't had space programs that have gone into uh you know uh that have gone into space or even done anything in the first place there's there's only a very limited handful of countries which have ever even gone into space right with ever yeah. like us like you know uh, a a thing like land on the moon even right yeah. so it's like who gets there first who starts the first space economy and then who can leverage the earth right for oh, like prices right which nation some... right that's like ultra capitalism you know that's you can some... really exploit like think about it if we go 40 years into the future and you know one country or one private corporation has like A, a, a monopoly on the space mining industry on the space mining technology right they've somehow they've patented it they figured it out right what's to stop them from just completely saying listen we know you need this so we're going to sell it to you for like a million like you know a million dollars a grand like what's what's to stop people right and that's that the is, thing yo that is that is something i feel like it will be taken care of as time progresses right i mean we've seen instances of this as well on earth okay bear with me bear with me right um there were instances for example the uh, diamond example you were using right their artificial control of the supply uh, resulted in laws right these laws told these diamond companies what they could do and not do in terms of controlling the supply right mm, so yes. i feel like i mean like so far we only have one law concerning space the 1967 space treaty thing where no uh, yeah, yeah. country can declare a land as their own right but as time goes along as this whole space mining thing really flourishes and comes and becomes reality i know that um 
laws will really there will be laws that are implemented and okay. talking about laws and legality of space right there's something that i think we've all like had a little uh, like we've all like it's a crazy idea right that we've all had as a 7 year old there can be a real possibility of space pirates space pirates <laughs> yeah what do you mean? like if you think about it right um it happened it happened in the 70s and in the 1700s and 1800s with the um with the ships going back and forth from the us uh, from the us to uk and spain uh, and spain right where um there were pirates that raided all of the um cargo ships right what's to say that that won't happen in space oh what's to say that you know, this is this is crazy this is so smart that you brought this up okay because this like whole law thing it really opens up the doors to like okay here's the thing right you mentioned that there's only one like technically ratified technically accepted um law right it's called yeah. the outer space treaty it was passed in 1967 because they were having the space race back then the USSR yeah. and the US right and they were like listen if someone like goes really far like who can establish dominion who can take what from space this now just to establish thing, right? that if the US or USSR lands on the moon first who, uh, that just stops either the USSR or the US from saying the moon is now US property or the oh. USSR property you exactly. cannot come here we own the US we own the moon you know yeah. like that would be insane yeah right? so that's why it was developed out of this necessity and you're right like as space mining develops we will develop laws out of necessity to govern space but here's the thing right there's a lot of countries which are all okay let's talk about the outer space let me just backtrack a bit let's talk about the outer space treaty first right there's mm-hmm. a lot of weird contradictions and a lot of confusions right regarding the outer space treaty from the very start okay first of all it says that no country right can establish like sovereignty or establish dominion over a part of space like okay i find this asteroid or i find the moon right i get to the moon mm-hmm. first i can't plant i mean um, the americans planted the flag on it but <laughs> yeah. you know like not in that way right <laughs> not in not in the manifest yeah. destiny way you know not yet yeah, right yeah, yeah. Uh, they you can't you can't plant a flag on it you can't just say listen our property right mm-hmm. there's this thing it says that the space is the common heritage of mankind you know that's an interesting words like interesting choice of words common no one can have resource. a private I don't know kind if all of, yes if, but see here's know, the thing yeah. here's the economics of it right yeah. um here's the thing though there are a lot of weird contradictions not just with domestic law but in the outer space treaty itself it says like um for example if some like private entity can get resources or exploit space for its resources right that it can completely own them. So okay, listen, I can be America, right? And I can not own the moon. I cannot have any dominion over it, right? But I can go to the moon and if I find some like or or you know, let's say an asteroid, right? If I if I go to this asteroid that's worth 400 quadrillion, I can take these resources out and they're mine. I can sell them to whoever. But at the same time, I don't own them. So it's like that, you know that, what I'm saying? That that like, reminds me of something extremely Oh, wait, sorry. I interrupted you. Let you uh, uh, finish and then I'll like go ahead. Sorry, my Yeah, bad. yeah. Okay, and this and this links to like domestic laws too. Now listen, you know people have been anticipating, right? Like in the last twenty years, that like, hey, we're gonna go into space, we're gonna start asteroid mining, and we're gonna like uh, get like infinite resources and like infinite whatever. So the two countries which have actually passed laws domestically, um, Luxembourg and the United States, the United States more notably, have completely stated that if there's a private entity that goes into space, anything is up for commercial use. You know, anything. 
Like you can, dude. Like go into space, get whatever. That's, like in, it, it incentivizes oh it incentivizes man. private corporations to go into space. Now here's the thing, right? Again, monopoly control, monopoly power, and the ethics that's side just of crazy, me, right? Yeah, the ethics side of me is just like going off right now. Like there are like multiple alarms in my head going off right now from the ethics perspective. Because if we think about it, the Earth is the only thing we can really claim ownership of. as a human race right proker i think we were talking about this as well about how for the sole reason that we are the highest functioning creatures on the planet earth we uh, the, the 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 burden of the responsibility of the planet falls upon our shoulders as the human race right oh so see that's so the technically thing. yeah so Go technically on. yeah so technically the earth's the only thing we can really not even claim ownership to claim responsibility and claim an obligation to right but if we go into space what what are the ethics of mining asteroids that aren't even ours what are the ethics of us going to a planet and destroying it the same way we have destroyed our planet what's stopping oh. us there what's stopping us like this may seem really far fetched but i th- have you uh, have you watched uh the movie um uh the star trekkers guide to the galaxy this hitch- the, uh, the hitchhikers guide yeah hitchhikers guide to the galaxy it. i haven't okay. watched it but i've heard it go on yeah. so um basically there's a scene in it where um there uh, where the where this um federation this enterprise space enterprise right decides to demolish a planet to make space for a freeway for an intergalactic freeway right see and the thing is the people on that planet didn't even know a federation existed they didn't know anything outside oh. of their planet existed but that planet was hmm. still destroyed to make oh. for the interest of something they didn't know existed something in outer space i think we can draw a parallel from that to what we're talking about now so if we go ahead and destroy something right that we don't know affects that like if you go ahead and destroy for example an asteroid right and then two years later some aliens return to it say uh, as their uh, like, where's their house yeah where's the house right like this was oh, our no. vacation home this was supposed to you were supposed to come here right so if that happened on planet earth that would be destruction of property and that would be like what years in jail right so yes at what point does our jurisdiction as human beings ethically oh. end okay but here's the thing you want to get really meta about it you want to get really okay. well, not to okay but like you know okay. philosophical about it okay. you know if you think about it right whoever put humans in charge of the earth or like responsible <laughs> look, look, look i know that technically speaking i know that technically listen listen it's going to sound crazy right but but just but just hear me out right listen Sure, technically speaking, we're the smartest, and we developed these tools, and we developed all of these things, right, that allowed us to slowly take over the Earth as humans, right? We walk around Earth, and a lot of it is very civilized, right? Where, in fact, we walk around Earth like we own it, right? There's mm-hmm. the Amazon forest. We're going through that, destroying it every day, and only very recently has the ideas of, you know, environmental conservation or like protection of other species, right, came into our heads, right? Mm-hmm. But it's like, dude. Whoever said the earth was ours? Listen, think about it. From the very start, right? We were animals like everyone else, you know? Yeah. And 
we we had the intelligence, we had the evolved intelligence to develop tools. We developed fire, we developed the wheel, and we developed, you know, we had the Iron Age and the Bronze Age, and we kept going from there, right? I'm not sure mm-hmm. about the exact history. You know, but eventually we have these like massive civilizations. We own the earth, right? We yeah. mine into it and we take all these resources. Mm-hmm. But who's but don't all the animals on earth technically have the same ownership of earth as we do? Right? Don't aren't they also That's living beings, creatures of the earth? Right? Like, like what what is justified us even taking over our earth or even having jurisdiction of That's our earth, very, very let alone true. all of space. You know, and it's like, listen, forget about, forget about like, you know, some like extraterrestrial life forms um, existing. Why should we, you know, sure, you can say space is infinite, right? Why should we have the right even to go into space and pillage these resources? As you said, they're not technically ours. Very, very, very interesting thing that you bring up. Right. It's very interesting that you bring this up because this just made me think about the laws you said Luxembourg and USA passed, right? About how anything you come, like you, like go, like you go to the U, uh, you go to the, you go to space, and you're like, uh, this is mine now. I will take it. I will uh, extract whatever, and I will sell it as my own, right? Hmm. That just made me think that these policies are very capitalist centric. So I think my whole point of this is to like make you question how ethical is it for us to even leave the earth, right? And as you said, and another question for you guys before we head off, right, is that you mentioned, Prakar, that as we evolved, our intelligence evolved and that and our intelligence and our uh, uh, like an intelligence that has been evolved right there are markers for that such as fire tools um, all of that stuff you mentioned right so that makes me think whether there's another stage of evolution left in the uh, for the human race that better equips and enables us to deal with space mm. because until now right until now we've evolved as physically and mentally to combat challenges we have faced right so that just makes me question is there another roadblock left in terms of evolution before we reach the point where we are effectively able to cultivate space there's so much to talk about with this, right? Yeah. Like, listen, this episode, right? I feel like this was really long. Like, this must have been at least 40 minutes, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there's uh, there's so much to talk about, uh, you know? And it's like, you know, not like with the ethics, with the engineering, with the technology, it's like, you know, people don't think about it much, right? Because, like, we're kind of focused on our problems at Earth, especially right now. Yeah. But it's yeah. like, realistically... Could we go into space and solve the problems of the earth? Think about it, right? I was talking about like reducing prices, reducing the inethicalities of some of our work laws, of some of our mining, right? Could we, if we were extracting resources from space and bringing it back, just not do anything on earth and just make it like a haven? Like we're just like living space? That's very, very interesting. It's all these questions, man. And it's like, you know what? We got to talk about this more and we got to talk about this next time and you know with that i feel like this is like a good 
point. Yeah. Just, I think this season, you know, we we're talking about money. We we're talking about all of these things, these ideas. I think that's where this season, it's like a perfect place to end it and talk about, you know, this insanely deep and interesting topic that no one ever really talks about. Right. So much. To and like, we, we got to be back, man. We got to come, yeah. you know. And I think, about this. I think there's something, uh, and I think it would be nice to end this episode off with this uh, for some food for thought. Are the stars really the limit for us? Mm. You know? Are we bound here? Or do are we, we bound here? Ourselves? Or are we, or are we actually, or are we actually binded to the stars as we had mentioned before? in the start of our episode. So just to end off our episode of Astra Inclinant said non-obligant. That's just some food for thought for all of you guys. So it's very well, I nice. guess. Yeah. I guess it's time up. I guess we'll see you in season yeah. two. Season two. Here we go, season guys. Two. I'm so glad. Uh, so happy. Uh, we're so uh, grateful for you guys listening. If you've made it through an entire season, we're very proud of you and also very surprised. Right? <laughs> <Very surprising>. honestly <laughs> all right yeah bye guys next season is just gonna be better we're just gonna yeah. upgrade and peace guys See peace to the masses taking lashes from their masters they screaming out they yelling out blood sacrifice welcome to the afterlife niggas walking dead as they beg you to bring them back to life